And like multiple voices are talking out once, like driving me absolutely nuts. We have to keep these people running all night or something because I, I don't know what this is, but we can't. We don't want to shoot too many weapons. We don't want to get shot, but we just got to keep them out of here. And so then they would like disappear and like, and, like all of a sudden we'd be going because it, it's a pretty big, like my growth spot at that point was about, you know, a 40 by 40 yard by 40 yard. It was a pretty big swath of land in the dark with patches all woven through it with trees and bushes and camo and stuff. In between it all, it was a fucking scary ass fucking looking thing, man. And so these people somehow were ghosts, right? And it was like, fuck, but they never fired a weapon. And it was like, uh, we kept them at bay fairly, fairly good through the night. Uh, they left in the morning. We were just like, we were like, we were like, what the fuck was that? And so, uh, so that's the second night. I called it the, the, the uh, Eight Days of Terror. That's what I called it in the book because on the third day, you know, like we, we thought, we thought, okay, nights. oh, they came back. So oh. we thought, so, so I fucking, I like, I like thought, okay, we can keep these guys at bay. First of all, we, we started cutting bud, right? Uh, first of all, we made the decision. Uh, we made the decision we were going to have to start cutting early. First of all, we were going to have to set up traps for these people. We were going to have to fucking get the trails tightened up and done and get another person in here. We got another person up there? Because <laughs> we weren't quite sure, right? And then I go around. Look, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, it was really credit. The guy's dead, so I can say it now. Chris Ortez, who's an old fucking HA kid, uh, was one of the people who set us up through that. He shows up. Uh, set you up, he said? Yeah, he set us up with these people. Well, it was the Mercers. So we didn't know. We, there was the things that we found out later. Oh, so he was like, your yeah. bro. Well, so he was my bro. But so we found out some things later on. So then the next night, so what happens is, the, ne the, the next night, we'd actually gone and cut like massive things around this in the roads so people couldn't get across. We'd right. taken chainsaws, yep. and I basically just fucking, yeah. and I built a fucking, well, I just chopped everything down. It was fucking fortress around the whole fucking thing. It was insane. And uh, um, we fucking bunkered in and fucking uh, got fires going. We were prepared. We, now we had intel. We had walkie-talkies, better walkie-talkies. We weren't really prepared. We weren't, like, we were not prepared. I got a pistol. We had more weapons. I mean, the whole thing. We were like, okay, you motherfuckers. <laughs> like, and so we had two guys on the other side, and we had four on this side. I think at that point, we had, we had three on this side. We had two on that side with walkie-talkies. So we were totally tied, and everybody was there. And, and these fucking people started just taking apart the fucking barricades. One, one side and the other, as what? we were fucking, like, like they had, must have had like seven or eight people, right, coming after us, like two so on this side. We could hear them undoing it. That, like, in fact, at one point, you'd hear they them. Huh? They had night vision. Oh, yeah, they had night, they had it all. They had it all. So basically, we would, we couldn't watch multiple places, so we would basically just hear, listen to them dissect us until they got into the playing field. But it would take them, like that first night, it took them until like three in the morning to get in, you know, because we could keep them at bay, and then they were like in. You know, and then it was like, then it was like, okay, keep them, keep them out till the morning, you know, oh and it was God, like, <laughs> so we, and, like, and we, and we could, game and, together, oh, no. though, well, we were firing weapons, but they didn't, and so it was like, are they invisible, or what the fuck is this, are we insane, what the fucking hell is this, oh and so, God. and so it was like, what is going on, but they were really good, they would try to like, wait till we were tired or wait until we didn't hear or try to get in to certain positions or closer to us. We'd have to push them back. They'd, we'd hear them and, and then we'd go down to that part of the road. It'd be like, you'd like dark and a turn and you'd like, you'd, they'd on the corner, you'd hear them, 
You'd start going down there and you'd go down that turn, you'd hear them go back and then all of a sudden, how far do you want to go back? There were, there were a bunch of times where you knew they were behind the next tree or the next tree, but it was like, okay, are you going to t take them on? Are you going to make this a gun battle right now here on the spot? And you'd be like, fuck, okay, uh, you know, is it back? Is it good enough that they're back? And you know, you're in the middle of this fucking shit with all these people going back on walkie-talkies and we're trying not to fire too many weapons. And, but they're invisible too, they're disappearing. And so that was the third night. We got through that morning and then that morning, I fucking walked around. I really thought, okay, what the fuck's wrong? I'm missing something, right? So I didn't, I didn't look at the trails. I went where they were, on the inside of the trails, and, and they had fucking carved out. They were paintball people. They had carved out hideaways from the weapons so they, didn't, they could hide. They, they had taken every stick and twig off a minor little trail so they could run without making noise. We were trying to figure out how they weren't making noise. They had spent like weeks like on crank <laughs> doing this, like all the way around us. And, and like by one guy who and put the money up. Although this was their hit for the year, they just fucking were gonna milk us. So the thing about it is, my guy that put the money up, there was David, the guy that put the money up. He looked at all this and he's like, "There's more to life than money. I'm leaving. Whoever these people are, I, I can't. I, I can't. I don't know who these fucking people are. I'm leaving." He's like, "I'm out of here." He's gone, and he just got in his car and drove off. You know, it's like, boom, one guy down. Now it's just like it's. Uh, it was Randy and myself and Fred. Okay, the first thing we did, because I had Fred there, I had one more guy. Uh, the first thing we did at that point, I looked at this whole thing, we cut the little meadow. We cut it. We just chopped it. I had people coming out, I had people coming to pick it up, and then I got David to fucking at least come and get this shit, and I realized we can't even guard two places. It's done, we're sacrificing that. We just, we're gonna go whack every plant. And uh, I mean, we probably, <laughs> we probably would have had like, the thing about it is they came, as I recall, they fucked, they fucked it up, man, because they came in early. We had to, we, you know, they came in early. We had like a 300-pound crop, you know, 400-pound crop, and they just fucking just, we went to battle with them, and they probably ended up with 60 or something by the time it was done or whatever, 80. It was crazy because we had to golf ball it, chop it in pieces, get it out. But we took that side out, and then we, and then we pulled back to there, right? And then at that point, we fucking went onto their trails, and I mean, I was like a fiend. Like, I just fucking took all their trails, and I was just like fucking chopping shit and fucking ripping their trails up. Fucking just, just, yeah. and this guy, Chris, shows up. He's watching me do this. I'm setting traps, booby traps and shit, fucking mouse traps. I'm fucking, I'm, I'm tying fucking twine off at neck level. This guy's like, oh, I'm like, fuck these people! Fuck them! I already got ripped off in the valley. I fucking lost everything. I'm like, fucking, that's right, all I've got for a whole year. year. I'm like, I'm like, oh I'm fucking God. done. I'll kill you all. You know, and I'm like, these people are just like, oh, God. Uh, it was fucking, it was, it was bizarre by that point. And uh, it, was, it was pretty bizarre. And uh, it, uh, so we, I pulled that back. So the guy, Chris, shows up and he goes, dude, what are you doing, man? It's like, you're coming in, they're going out, you're going back and forth. People are going to get shot here, you're going to get killed, and all this shit's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I'm like, well, what do you know? How do you even know this stuff? Because it really had become a cat and mouse game. It turned out later that they were already up for murder, and they couldn't, and, they, and because people knew what they were doing, they couldn't murder anybody. So they didn't want to kill us. That was the last thing they wanted to do was get another murder charge or get that. So they were really just trying to take us out. So they were trying to, what they were really trying to do was get close enough to us to where they could hide behind a tree and then just conk us or put a gun to us or something that we would be sloppy and walk by. And so all of a sudden, many times you'd be walking by and there'd be like you, okay? It'd be like, I go by and there'd be like a tree and I'd hear, there'd be that person behind there. Okay, but they never were by themselves. So then it's like, okay, are you gonna stop and get, go after that guy right now, 
knowing that someplace else, there's somebody else, and, and make an armed combat with this guy? That's the kind of shit they did all night trying to weaken you. And it was like a cat and mouse game. To them, it was like, a, it was like uh, they were just, they enjoyed it or something. Was, you know, like they felt like at any time they could take us out. So it was like if they needed to, they would, but they were just toying with us, waiting, but they didn't want to kill us. You know, and oh it became God. bizarre. We were taking parts of the plants out, you know, and, uh, but again, we would, I would wreck their trails. I would wreck, what happened was I wrecked their trails, okay? And then I wrecked, and then I built walls bigger and bigger around that we put back together, and it would take them longer. They weren't able to get in until three, so they were only getting about three hours that they could get in, and it wasn't much time to play cat and mouse before the sun was up, you know? Jeez. And uh, so it really, it narrowed the game to where it was like, before they were coming in at dark, you know, at nine o'clock, so they would just wear you down. Yeah. Now it's like, okay, we knew the scene. Somebody was gonna listen to them because they're getting through the barricades and everything was coming down and shit. And uh, as they got through it all and they came in, you know, we, we would hear them come through. We'd have, you know, like one motion sensor or something and we'd hear them coming in and uh, they'd come. But uh, it, 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 was, it was fucking bizarre. The, the, the height of it was they, the sixth day, they, uh, the seventh day, I, um, no, it was the sixth because they came down. Uh, I sat there, and Fred had left, okay, so it was only down to Randy and I by six days. So there was only two of us, and Randy was going to leave. He's my friend, Randy. He, yeah. said, he said, Tim, he had a Mini 14. He goes, I don't care about this crop. I'm only getting 20% or something, 15%, and he goes, David's already fucking left it, and so I really don't give a shit, but he goes, if you're going to stay here, I'm not leaving you alone, and I go, I'm, I'm not leaving, dude. I mean, I've lost everything. I'm not, I'm not fucking leaving my crop, dude, and so Fred was on probation, so he had to leave, gotcha. and uh, he said, Tim, I can't be here. Something's going to happen. And so they had gotten in uh, about an hour. And it was, it was good. They were going to take me out. I was so exhausted by that point, I was going to pass out. I was literally sitting on a, a, on a stool, and I was passing out. I could feel myself passing out. And they were starting to move in. And, I, and I'd come back up. And we went through that for about like an hour, where I was like, I was like, you know. And uh, I was just like, oh, man, I'm gonna, they're going to fucking do I'm just not gonna make it. I mean, I got up, walked around, walked around again, you know, and it was like, sat down again, fucking, I just, I was done, basically adrenaline. Like okay. torture yeah. and, uh, and then all of a sudden I hear this crashing through the fucking woods and all this shit coming in, screaming and all this fucking shit and all this fucking, I look up and it's Fred. And Fred was fucking, he goes, I was at the bar at two in the morning and I realized they were gonna fucking be coming in on you guys and it's like, fuck jail, fuck whatever, I ain't fucking going down. And he goes, I'm not leaving you here, dude. And, uh, and he fucking sat with me back to back. I said, you know, Fred, it was like 4.35 in the morning. I said, just sit back to back with me and we'll hold on and, you know, and we'll just fucking stand here and uh, I'll hold on to this. And uh, we did. We stood there and just went back to back and just got up and just walked back to back up and down the roads for, because Randy, they didn't want to go near the Mini 14 and Randy was a little, and Randy was like, at that point, he's like a hawk-eyed, angry, crazy person. So what happens is these guys, we had taken almost all of it out, right? It was night. It was night seven. We'd, we'd taken oh, most of it out. Seven, and uh, there, there wasn't much left. Yeah. And I, I mean, there, there, was, there was enough. And I, at one point, I was so fucking done with it. I was sitting there, and I just put the flashlight up into my face. And I said, you know what? Look. I said, just fucking shoot me. Because you're not taking any pot. We've done this for all these days. It's fucking crazy. So, I mean, you could have sh shot me. So, I mean, let's play fair. You guys basically fucking could have shot me at any time. So, either fucking shoot me or get the fuck out of here. You know, and they didn't fucking say a word. And 
we played that game for a couple hours, and they fucking came back. Not not all of them, but they came back. That last night we were there as we were closing up, and just circle around. I was like, like, are you guys just insane? I mean, you're just fucking. I mean, you're so like angry that they they really had plotted to steal this fucking crop, this three or four hundred pounds. They were taking it all, and it was a million bucks. So they thought they were gonna get there. Was you know the, the, the two Mercers? One of them's dead since then. So that was a crazy year, but then you recovered from it, right? <laughs> what? Then I went home and my my ex uh, divorced me. And uh, she, she had uh, gotten together. Mom. Yeah, she realized that, uh, well, I'd been on the road for a year. We'd been together 20 years. Our time was up. And it really was. Gotcha. You know, I wasn't supposed to stay there. So in a way, she did me a favor. But I had a grow going on in Santa Cruz. I was taking care of her parents in Santa Cruz. Wow. And uh, so, so, I, so, so, I had, so in my Victorian, we were growing eight lights, right? I had eight lights in my Victorian. I was growing. And, you know, indoor, top dollar. We were making money. And uh, so... Uh, so I go back down there and I start growing and I'm going to do another big grow in Monterey and I start getting my thing going together again after all this shit. I'm still going to go back and get it all going. So I was like, oh, well. Um, and then my father-in-law comes down and tells me that he got told by insiders that my place is under watch and, uh, and, they're, and they're coming to get me. They're, going to, they're ready to come get me. And I'm like, and he heard it from good sources. Oh, my God. Sliding up to not be your year so much, huh? So I'm like, what the fuck? Now, in that six-week period, I'd gone back to dealing some of the... In that six-week period since I got home, I'm industrious, right? <laughs> I, I became like the only person with any Thai Mexican in the state. Wow. So what happened was they'd taken all the Thai loads, but they'd gotten these little small pockets. They were back to the little pockets. Somebody yeah. bringing in three or 4,000 pounds or something. Out, scale. But, the, but the big boys that were able to sneak a little thing in here or there, and I was getting some, I was like, but actually I was like the only person in the state that had any of it. I mean, like, the, like literally, wow. nobody had it. And so I had eight, 85, 90 pounds down at my father-in-law's and, uh, and like 100 pounds in my, in my trunk of my car, my rental car, right? So, so what happens is I hear this stuff and I go tell my people in the city, I go make a drop, I go to see some people. A guy had stopped by to tell me that he had some of the, the pillows again. I didn't know how bad things were at the time, but they followed him home, and they busted him. And he said he was working for me, so that oh. didn't help. But that I don't blame him at that point. I got him busted or something. Something came in and they they got him, and he said he, he got it from me. And uh, it, it doesn't really matter. That that part was yeah, stupid because that, it you. wasn't. But at the same time, I I didn't even realize how hot it was. I did. I mean, I didn't even know if it was true. How hot it was. What was going on? This guy was planning on coming over. He just came to my house. I didn't realize at the time, but uh, I soon quickly did because I got this harebrained idea, Randy's place. We almost have this fucking, this indoor done. All I need is a little bit of time left. If I can go to Randy's and put some lights on it in his greenhouse, I can probably finish this thing with some heaters. So I'm going to put it in a fucking U-Haul, back to the U-Haul thing, and drive it up to Randy's. Okay. I was, it was actually getting the money for my in-laws so they could afford to live down the street from me and be okay because Phoebe, oh no, Phoebe, Patty moved up to Spokane. She dumped me, and I was taking care of them and helping them out. So I got this hairbrain idea to go fucking drive it up there. So we did. Except they were watching. Oh, and so they saw the U-Haul or whatever, and we're loading this thing up. And I looked down the street from my second story window and fucking, uh, I went, and so uh, I look out and I see, you know, several cars coming down the road, no headlights on, cop, cop cars, top lights on them. And uh, I'm like, fuck, man, I screamed at my guys, it's a fucking bust. I go running out the back window, jump off my fucking two-story roof onto the deck, 
come flat down, fucking pounding, up, running, right out the back fucking porch, <laughs> over the fucking fence, two streets over. I fucking hear the cars coming from everywhere, and I oh, fucking, shit. I got under a fucking berry bush. Uh, I got under, a, I got it, well, in a, in a backyard of somebody's house, right under their bedroom, in a berry bush under, under their deck, where I fucking got in there, and then I could hear them in bed. Yes. I was like, oh my God, if I even fucking move, yes. if I cough, they're gonna be like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. But the cops can't see me. I'm fucking, oh man, I was in there. They were fucking driving around. <laughs> flashlights or headlights. Fuck. And uh, they got the fucking eight, eight uh, lights and stuff. But I ended up running down. Eventually, I was so frozen, I had to leave because it was raining. It was wet, fucking cold, no clothes on, fucking freezing. I, was, I literally was numb. So it was about two hours later, and they were only coming around about every 30 or 40 minutes or something. And so I decided I had to hobble down to my friend's house. Did. And um, he looked at me and I said, just call my in-laws. And uh, he didn't know what to make of me. He's like, okay. I said, I said, don't ask me anything. I didn't want to get him involved. And, uh, and so I, I called my in-laws really quick. And uh, they said they were okay. So I thought, okay, well, they're okay right yet. So uh, where am I, I got to go there. I got to go there quick because they don't know where I'm at. They don't know if I'm there. They don't even know who, you know, what it is. So I can make it there quick. So I hobbled down because they lived right down the street from me on Ocean View. They lived in an apartment right down the street from me. Okay. So they're like, Ocean View Avenue is a dead end street with a beautiful park at the end. It's all the big Victorians on Santa Cruz. And I had one of the oldest ones, the second oldest one on the block. Not one of the biggest one, but one of the second oldest. It was beautiful, all redwood, stunning. And so uh, down at the corner, they lived in an apartment. I was about two blocks away. I got into this guy's house. I walked down to their place, got in there, you know, got in the shower, got from freezing to death, and told them what had happened, and then found out from Jim that he had thrown the 90 pounds of Thai and Mexican I had in the fucking, you know, in the woods somewhere within a couple blocks away from me. Well, he, that's what he did, right? And so I was going to take it. It was in my car. Right. But then I realized my car was in front, in the front, uh, in front of his house. And I had all these Thai blocks in there. And the keys were in the fucking apartment. <laughs> oh, no. uh, uh, the keys were in the apartment. And so I had to have a fucking key made. And uh, um, I had to get into the car. Uh, in fact, you know what? I didn't even need, the, I didn't even need, I just needed to get into the car. And so, because uh, the keys were in, the, in my jacket. So the cops all night couldn't figure out where the, where the car was. It was right down the street in front of Jim's. They were driving by it all night with all the, the tie in it. And he had thrown the rest of it in and, uh, in the woods. And so we're there. And so I'm, I'm waiting until the morning. And fucking all of a sudden, the cops are still at my house. And this fucking aircraft carrier tow truck fucking shows up in front of my place to open oh. up the fucking doors. And then I have to go out there and fucking sign for this thing and fucking uh, jump in the car really quick. Jim's like, it's on. And I had to jump in there and grab those fucking blocks. And I'm just like, I'm staring like 150 yards down. The cops are right there. And I'm just fucking nabbing these things. And they're running across the street really quick, trying not to be fucking freaking out. Get those fucking tie bags. And uh, fucking, and they, didn't I, they, didn't, they didn't see me get that or the, tr the tow trucks or anything trying to show up. Fucking my friend Nick shows up. He's going to take me out of there with the tie that I have. And we get about 20 miles away, and I realized I'd left one of the blocks from a return in the back seat. And so we had to go back and get it. And he had to pull up, and I had to get back in the car and fucking get the other block and drive off. And then we drove off and went up north. And then they redeemed on three surrender dates over the next week and a half, because they, and my uncle was a cop, said he couldn't figure out why. And that's because they said that, that, no, they said I reneged on three surrender dates. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm so stoned. The, okay. the cops, 
went to the judges and said that I reneged on three surrender dates, and that's why they were upping the uh, annies, and they were trying to really nail me, and he couldn't, figure out, he couldn't figure out what was going on. And then he finally, they finally told him that they had found the 90 pounds, and they were doing fingerprinting on it, and if they could find one fingerprint of mine, I was going to jail for 15 years. And I was like, oh, fuck, waiting for the fingerprints right. to come out. Right. And in the meantime, my friend Anastasia, who's this really lovely psychic lady, she got together with this guy, Tony, this really incredible psychic out of Florida. He's a really brilliant psychic. And I've worked with psychics for a long time. But she called me and she said, you should ask Tony what's going on. And so uh, actually, I'll back up on the story a little bit. I, I, uh, I called up because they weren't um, taking me in. I was ready to surrender. But then they would, they would be like, they're not, OK, we don't want you. We're saying that you didn't want to come in, but it's your right, fault. They didn't come in. And the whole thing's coming in. It's like, what the fuck's going on? And they were buying time on this fingerprint thing, right? And so then I called this psychic guy, and he's like, oh, no, you're not up for what you think you are. Because I hadn't been told yet about, the, about the, the tie. He goes, oh, you're up for something much bigger. And I was like, I started figuring it was that tie, right, and all that and stuff, and, and the other guy and stuff. And he goes, she goes, you're, you're really looking at major, major trouble, you know. But she said, you know what, if you just hold your mud, for some reason I think you're going to get out and you're going to do six months in jail. And I did six months and did five and a half in jail. And I fucking, she said, somehow you're going to fucking, you're going you're gonna to get away with this. And, uh, and uh, it's going to be a miracle. You're going to get a miracle. And basically, there was no prints on the thing. They couldn't come up with it. And uh, because they were, they were already on me for the, the dealing and stuff, they were trying to pull the whole thing. They were put, trying to put a whole case on me. But then it was just kind of fell apart, and they just like let it go. Damn. And I went to jail. And then wrote this book. That's the, the book, the first uh, book I've got. They, they never really got published. I just published it at the cup for a couple Minutes and then. Uh, Are you planning on publishing it or not? Uh, no, it's got, it's, I got pulled off. I'm publishing The Birth of the Emerald Cup first uh, on Outlaw Spiritual Journey. Because uh, I, did, I did a book uh, called Leaf of Fate. My literary agent uh, wanted me to finish this book. It was the book, The Leaf of Fate. And I, I actually just started. It took me like eight months. I wrote it. Really, I was really proud of that book. And then between them and the agents in LA, who are the TV people and the movie people, that's Hertz, Lickenstein, and Young. Um, they're, I'm, I have a contract with them. They only do partnerships, and some of their partners are Will Smith, Gwen Stefani, Black Eyed Peas, uh, Keith Richards, Gwen Stefani, Celine Dion. I mean, they just, they, you know, yeah. they're, and so, but they do a lot of movie and television stuff. Sweet. And so they did a te television deal for my piece, but they wanted to see that I had like three years worth of material. Okay. So they wanted me to show them all my stuff. So when I showed them not only Leaf of Fate, but the outlines for the, the next two books, they looked at it and said, well, this is really great, but we want this book first. And so uh, I was, and then my literary agent looked at it and said she, she agreed. And I was that like. It makes sense because it really presents who you are currently well, in the cultural milieu, the whole thing. And, and well, yeah. everything else a, a platform. Well, it's, it, I mean, it, it does. It, no, it's not even that. It does, but it's just it's the heart of the story yeah. without going into the whole thing because I just, I, I finished it, and now I understand why they wanted that. But it does, it's like a trilogy uh, cool. that you can pull back into that. But then there's like a fourth and a fifth book that are easy that would come out. And uh, so, uh, and it's, so it's a blast. So that's really what I want to do. Most of the time, if I could, I would spend a lot of time writing. Right. Um, my family are writers, and uh, my agent has dealt with 15 best-selling authors. And she had, she had 17 later agents under her in New York City for 40 years. Wow. Her name's Lois De La Haba, and she's like big. She did like uh, you know Roots and uh, very oh, wow. uh, 
a very psychic, uh, visionary guy named Brian Weiss, who uh, did Many Lives, Many Masters, who's one of the I most know that book, yeah. uh, All that stuff, she's that, she was his agent. So we can just go from Fuck Gavin Newsom on, in case we missed that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you don't have to, but I will just represent Fuck yeah. Gavin Newsom. Oh, well, no, Fuck Gavin Newsom on that. He, he screwed everybody, and uh, there's no doubt about it that it was a pre-planned, plotted thing to do. Uh, my father-in-law, who's an old redneck Republican, Lou Dobbs guy back in the day, uh -huh. and uh, I would be on the other side arguing with him as we drank and, and went, sure. went around. And, uh, and he told me, he said, you know, you're going you're gonna to see what they've done, like the technology and everything else, because they, they funnel it into a few hands. You're going to see what they do with cannabis. They're going to screw you guys. They're going to run all you people out. You're going to tax you to death. And uh, I was like, no, not our, not our state. We're, we're good liberal, good people. We're not going to do that shit. No, that's why I'm going to go evangelize for this for 20 years. Make it become legal. Well, help anyway, you know? And uh, here we are, and that, that's what they did. Big money game. And uh, it's crazy. So what do you say, for, what do you say to people? What do you what, say to what, one of my one friends, most friends? One of friend, my friends told me one of the most prescient things I heard, which was we were all able to create this little bubble for a moment. You know, we had this autonomous, semi-autonomous zone out of time. And what's happening right now is those, those end sharp threshing bits of capitalism finally found us. And so it's not really like anything unique is happening. It's just we're being exposed to that same system that built Walmart and Home Depot and all the rest of it. Yeah, but, but I get that. I'm not we, saying we, we deserve no, it. I'm just saying no, we, it's But we knew it was going to happen. This is my bitterness. You cannot be a bitter person. I, I, I call it the bitter old man syndrome. But you don't want to be a bitter person. And I've seen too many old men be right. bitter, and I don't want to be that. Yes, sir. But my, my bitterness or my uh, frustration, whatever you want to call it, is the fact that we were promised five years. Yeah. We knew we were going to be corporatized. Yes. But if they had actually given us five years and we played by the rules, then a 10,000 square foot farm in Mendocino would have been fine. I mean, yes. these brands would have had time yes. to sunset out, to move out, sell their ranches while they're still worth some money, not be chopped off overnight, and just done. You know, instead, uh, it was annihilation. And now you look at these farmers in the hills, these ranches and stuff. These people all put, like in Bell Springs, Spy Rock, Island Mountain, all these people have a lot of money. They put them in their ranches because it was safe money because they, they could invest it in there. Well, their ranches aren't worth shit now. How much are they, who's going to buy a ranch out there with no labor, no, how do you make money? How do you live? Yeah. Yeah. And there are some amazing pads out there. My, look, my one guy is taking care of seven properties on Spy Rock, ranches, homes that are empty. Nobody's even living there. No growing. Why? You can't make any money. It's like the, so what are you doing? the, the end of the timber country kind of wave is hitting right to <laughs> This is going to be, they say that half these are going to be hunting grounds again. You won't even be the, like a hunting cabin once in a while because what, well, how do people live? There's nothing there now. They, you know, they're going to retire out there or they're going to live off of, uh, you know, even the back to landers when they come up there, they immediately, the reason why this blew up, that's good. Why it blew up was because people could um, get a little money from pot. The back to Landers, they started out that from day one. Yeah, so, um, yeah. There's, so I, I feel for them. I'm lucky because my property's on that road, so I didn't lose nearly as much value, and I have power. Oh, I have access to power. Understood. I mean, if you're talking from, say, from Willits up to Fortuna, over to uh, Trinity, down through Island Mountain, all the way back to Covalo, that's going to be, like, decimated. 
I mean, decimated. Sad. And uh, uh, yeah, well, I mean, if, like I said, if they wouldn't have done it that way, that's why Gavin screwed everybody. Yeah. And then everybody else, then you look at the brands and whatnot, and it's like, how many brands out of all the triangle are going to be left? Oh, there's going to be more hope from that, but maybe... A, a oh, I meant major brands. Like oh, major, like major Papa brand. Barclays, you mean? Papa Barclays. Oh, Papa Barclays, yeah. Canacraft. That's Sonoma, yeah, but I guess, I guess at that level, you're, you're probably right. Henry's is kind of sideswiped. They're gone, pretty much. They got bought out or something? They just seem like they kind of like... They they ran out of money. I think they didn't work. No, they, they didn't work. They shut their whole thing off. You know, it's a lot of money to do vertical integration. It's actually, if you look at most forms of agriculture, you, you don't worry about growing the tomato, you end up being the brand, packaging it, putting yes. it in something and selling it and making the money and let the farmer go work, do their job. Now it's a little different with cannabis because you got to have good, better farmers and stuff in a certain way than that's, most agriculture, the but, but they're still, it's still commercial though. Yeah. And so it's like, everybody missed the boat on one note because you don't really need that vertical integration because you can buy a lot of great pot sheep. If the tax structure wasn't the same maybe, but I, I just haven't found that, uh there's, there's not an abundance of actually good to smoke weed in the legal market. There really isn't. And I was doing a lot of spot buys, and I was one of the few people who was buying bulk for bulk trades that was actually smoking weed. Everybody else was like, oh, like, here's the picture, and here's the COA, and like, there it is, dude. Are there any more buds that are like XYZ small enough? No? Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll buy like all 150 pounds of that. Sweet. Put it in the bag. Huh. And I'd be like, why? Wow, you're not smoking weed? And he's like, no, nah, we, we can't smoke the weed. We just got the number and the thing, and they put it in the bag. And I was just like, well, crazy. And I was, one of the reasons I got out of that side was I was getting vetoed on buys where I was getting weed that was amazing to smoke at better prices than yeah. everybody would buy. <laughs> and I was getting vetoed for shit that was hundred pound, $100 oh, more a pound God. from like the right label that smokes like a salt nugget. And I was just like, I'm just trying to win this game for you guys. Like, I, if you don't need my decisions, I'll just go do something else, you know? Yeah. But, well, the, uh, legal, that, the legal markets, of, I, I don't, you know what, I'm an, I'm an old outlaw. As soon as it went to that side, and it became, it became branding and social yeah. media and a sales thing, and yeah. you know, I, I was never that. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a salesman. I just love, I love selling weed, and I just loved uh, growing it and just making money and being a, you know, being an outlaw, just uh, being a good person, having fun. That's uh, why but, I pulled out of most of that kind of stuff as well. Wow. I just. Uh, Thanks. I don't want to be a businessman and take a bunch of Zoom calls. Yeah, but now that's what what's becoming the industry. I, no, no, trouble it is. Else, I just, I just willfully and consciously was like, no thanks. Yeah. I get up at eight in the morning on Monday for the Zoom call. I feel like my life is ending. You know. Yeah. God, I'll you tell you what. It. Like for the for the Emerald Cup now, I mean, it's amazing how many. You believe in that? You believe in that? It's something that you're doing. It is, I but I mean, but early on Monday for things that I believe. in. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, if it's just a job. No, if somebody had to go work work that job and. Uh, that's what most people have to do. Although that's going to end. You know, people should have never had to live like that. And uh, I think you're going to see that really transform too. I'm hoping that mushrooms and MDA transform society the way I think that they will. And that we get back to some different principles of, of how we conduct ourselves, all of us. That's a big reason why I do this podcast. Yeah. It's trying to help my own brain form around it and talk to people with, who are being effective and, and have visions for the future. So we can really empower those type of conversations where it's like, what are we really trying to do? What are we trying to, because every oh. single, like we're in cannabis, right? Yeah. I talk to somebody in mushrooms. I talk to somebody in psychology. We talk to somebody in manufacturing. 
non-cannabis. And what happens is there's all these problems with problems in politics. And when you start to trace it down, it really comes down to there's actually a base, there's a couple base level problems in society mm -hmm. or in, in the majority of dominant cultures right now. Yeah. One of those is Abrahamic religion and this crazy separation from God, fear-based, wait till a different life trip that's been put on everybody. Yeah. And, and some controls around sexuality and marriage that were really structured originally to preserve wealth in certain families. Sure. And until we really get to talking about that active part, we're all a part of this system where we all try to do good, but we're also equally culpable and seeming insincere, you know? It's like, save the earth. Well, yeah, but you burned ass. It's like, well, I do, but I have to stay alive, you know? Like, and so yeah, I think, so, so I'm just saying, that's a big reason for why I'm doing this is I really think and hope that the work that you're doing, the work people in the cannabis and psychedelic industry are doing are going to lead to a reordering where we don't all have to work five hours, well, a, uh, five days a week, 10 hours a day and, and, and make nothing. One guy at the top is going to the Maldives every couple months and then everybody else gets a name tag and a minimum wage job. It just doesn't really seem No, you know, look, no, but that's, look, I told you at the beginning that I've been studying this since like 1973. Yeah. So. For my vision of the future, which I'd say I really firmly believe I have, a, because of the ET connections, all the interactions I've done, all the studying I've done with all of them, the researchers, uh, I could I could do a two-hour program just on how we how we are created and where we're at, and the actual overall picture with how this world is going to be transformed into the place that within two years we're going to be given free energy. We're going to be shown med beds like you see in Star Trek and Star Wars that you can put people in and they're gonna immediately just heal each other. I was just at the, the chiropractor's yesterday and a guy's got a, a limited be beginning version here on Earth version where they shoot light into your, like your knee. The lasers. The lasers and it's like what it did to my knee is like, uh, it's just incredible. Like he's saying, you don't even have surgery anymore, but, that, but even way beyond that. And uh, we're going to, we're gonna watch, um, the debt of the world's about 300 trillion and there's another 300 trillion that we need to rebuild the world. And that's gonna basically be taken from the, the elite of the world or the people that, are, that have been ruling us, whatever you wanna call them, you know. Um, their time is up and they're going to basically, they're gonna take like half their wealth and we're gonna pay back the debt of the world and start over and heal the world's oceans and the people of the earth. We don't have to do any mining and stuff like that. We're already, they just found that one asteroid that they said was worth like, what, 70 cruises. Yeah. They've known these things, look, We've been mining off this planet since uh, the early 70s, okay? And Mike and William uh, Tompkins, who was the head of NASA for 45 years, that wrote a book with Michael Sala before he died. Really? Yes. He was the head of NASA for 45 years. And um, he was the one at the very beginning. In fact, he was the, he was the um, spy, the brilliant spy in uh, World War II. As a kid, he uh, went to the Navy yards with his dad and he, from memory, when he got home, he rebuilt all the ships, and they put it in a Macy's Day para uh, parade thing, and the, the military saw that and thought he was some kind of super spy or something, and they, and they literally, it's the true story, and they put him into the, the military, he was like 17 years old, as a super spy. And so he ended up running the spy program for World War II, and then from there, got into NASA and became the head of NASA for 45 years. That's William Tompkins, and he wrote a book with uh, Michael Sala, and you can go back and find that, folks. Just look up Michael Sala. Okay. Uh, and so what he, uh, that's a long story that we get to there, God. But, uh, but he basically, what he was hearing from the Germans um, was that they were building spacecraft. They were, one of the things, that he, amongst everything else, 
was they were building spacecraft, uh, like UFO ships, ET well, there's ships. There's been a lot of rumors of that, and it seems like. No, they were. They were. Well, this? I'm telling you, that's what William Tompkins yeah, says. Yeah. So when William Tompkins, well. Well, I was just wondering, what do you think? What's your take on all of the UFO stuff that's starting to come out? Well, r real quick, we're, we're after the most incredible story the humanity has ever. If you push it all together, it's like people are going to never believe what happened in the last hundred years. <laughs> They're going to just be floored. Uh, the good part is, within two years, we're going to be seeing ETs being known publicly. Probably within, possibly within six to nine months, but within within two years. Oh, absolutely. We're going to see ETs publicly announced. We're going to have a complete ET announcement and integration. They're going to take over the emergency broadcast system and basically have to retell the story of the last hundred years. Um, we're going to be giving up all the debt in the world. Everybody's debt is going to be for free. There's going to be no debt in the world, and uh, that's going to go away. And we're going to be given free energy, so everybody's energy is for free. So wherever you are, you get to live for free, and you have free energy. And then they're going to heal the food systems of the world so everybody can live happily ever after. And then we're going to just basically mine off all these planets or asteroids that we've been doing for the last 50, 60 years, but it hasn't come to us. It's been controlled by whoever you want to call it. Um, the, there's a, a system of people that basically went out into space. And this is according to William Tompkins. What a trick. Okay. What William Tompkins said before he died, and he passed away in... Uh, 20, on the eclipse, uh, 2016, 2017, right? Oh, recently. The big one. Yeah, William Tompkins, very old. He wrote this book with Michael Solly. He was given permission to write this book. And so this is his story. So he was the head of the, head of the spy organization for the uh, military. And this is one of the things he brought back, amongst everything else, that they were building these crafts and they were moving them to Antarctica. Okay? And that's, I'll tell you the story about that. That's why it all comes down there. So, and that uh, they were getting help from extraterrestrials and some sorts and shit. So this crazy shit was going on. So then, the, the war semi ends, we win, okay, whatever. That happens for a moment. Michael Solid goes into the beginning of the formations of NASA, as that goes. In a very short period of time, there's a huge expedition by Admiral Byrd. If you go back and look at it, there was a naval expedition that was the largest naval expedition in history, larger than anything in World War II, went to Antarctica. They covered it as a scientific expedition, but it wasn't. They went down to route the Nazis with their spacecrafts out of Antarctica and got the shit blown out of them. And that's when Admiral Byrd limps back in and there's old quotes of him saying they fought the fastest ship that could go from equator uh, equator equator in like in minutes, whatever. And uh, so he got wiped out. And then you see the famous picture of the uh, UFO ships over the White House. It's been white, whitewashed from YouTube, but there's if you go see it, they're all over the place. And people know that my age and everybody else. There's very famous photos of it of UFOs over the White House, and there was a bunch of them. I thought, always thought it was UFOs. Those are Nazi crafts. They checkmated Dwight Eisenhower. Dwight Eisenhower, they said, look, we can wipe you out, but we need the technology. So what we want to do is we want to get off the planet. We have the technology. We'll work together, and we'll help each other. And then we'll give you the technology, and you build ships for us. And so Dwight ended up having to do it because there was like he could see they really didn't have any choice in one way because they had the, the technology to outdo whatever he wanted. So that's when the whole Area 151 got created and all that. And within two years, he wasn't allowed in there. Dwight Eisenhower was already cut out. Majestic 12 had come in. They'd separated. That was a whole new wing of the military. He was on his way out anyway as a president and was coming into Kennedy. And he was like watching all this. And that's why he made the famous speech about beware of the military industrial complex, because he was warning us and he was telling us. And then he told Kennedy, and Kennedy tried to stop it, and they killed Kennedy, and that was the last free president we've had. Well, 
that was Dulles too, and Dulles took in a bunch of the SS intelligence officers and formed one all of them. The CIA. Well, that was they von made, Braun. That was von the, Braun. Well, he, NASA, he was. Well, he was NASA head of NASA. Too, no, they went in there. They brought a yeah. bunch into the CIA. They, they took it over. The CIA and the NSA. They, basically, what they did was on that side, it's kind of like the, it split off, and uh, there was uh, an interesting split where the army and navy and marines, there's a whole section of the whole military that kind of, and part of uh, NASA, I guess, that was on one side, and then you had the CIA, DEA. Uh, FBI, kind of, they became kind of the, the bad guys on the other side, and it became kind of different factions almost in a situation. Um, but uh, this group had so much power, they, over the course of time, they just controlled everything. That's what it is, they, they, they owned everything. I mean, they basically got together and they started planning this thing back in the 60s. I mean, they, yeah. they decided... Well, Dulles, Dulles killed Kennedy. Yeah. Um, Alan Dulles. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. You know, he was on the uh, he was on the Warren Commission. Yeah. Well, no. Look, that whole thing. Look, it's it's so far beyond all that shit. So right. basically, so that was these people come in, and within two years of Dwight Eisenhower, <laughs> Boeing and uh, Douglas and all these, they jumped in with the Nazis, and so that like they became, and with the Air Force, they became like like the this this thing that then became the, the rule of the world. Basically, they because they got into space. And uh, they started going all over the universe at that point because of the technology. And then they basically became a ruling class um, that, well, it's, it's interesting. If you go back and piece it all together, it was Bush Sr. who, they, they, did the, they didn't realize they were going to do that at the time. That was with money. And they did the Great Depression and they changed money over and they, they put the whole banking system in the uh, Federal Reserve and stuff. That was Bush yeah. and all that wing yeah. that was starting to control the world. Yeah. But then it became this thing where the ET whole faction came in after the Nazis and stuff, got together with us, and we started going into ET world into outer space. Then it became a whole different type of power and wealth. And uh, But George uh, George Sr., the, the older one, he was right there at the beginning. Kissinger, all these guys were, were included in. And oh, yeah. uh, you look at all of them that came in and ran us. and. Um, but they, but they killed off Kennedy, and that was the end of it. Yeah. So that's when they went deep ops, and basically, uh, so William Tompkins said that they were out in outer space dealing with 700 different types of humanoids in trade. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. Before he died. I mean, I would just want to think that anybody who had the concept or ability of space travel wouldn't want to support Nazis. Well, it wasn't... Uh, you know what? I don't. That could be me, my own sentimentality. You know, to, you know what? To me, to me, um, when I read all the stories, I go back all the way through every piece and knot it all together. Admiral Byrd, I'm old enough. Admiral, because I studied this, I was really into. Admiral Byrd did go and make that expedition down there. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And he did get blown up. And there's, I've seen things where he came down in Chile and admitted that they got blown up and the whole thing. And you know what? There was a giant amount of uh, Germans and Nazis that were always down within the southern part of South America. And Argentina. And Argentina. Like Argentina. Oh, yeah, they ended up, right. in fact, we just saw they bought a thousand miles of coastline. Yeah. No, they because they were jumping back and forth to Antarctica. And um, these, there was just all these things that started adding up that were like, wow, these different pieces uh, and elements. And it became um, pretty remarkable to see. I mean, when you have uh, people like I said, like William Tompkins coming forward, and then all these whistleblowers and all these insiders and uh, my own stuff, and um, it's just. Uh, so you think that there, there's going to be? I mean, there was just. Did you see the thing in Brazil? The mm -hmm. conference in Brazil. Uh, it's been. It's been. Conference in Brazil. It's, well, it's so far beyond Brazil. Basically, what they're saying, what they're saying now is that 
okay, this is the other part. I didn't, I didn't, so I'm stoned. So, uh, <laughs> William Tompkins also said, this is William Tompkins, okay. free of a word, the man that did NASA 45 years, said that we launched the Navy Air Force, the Navy um, Army side, the good side, launched uh, like eight mile and a half long spacecraft in 1985 to combat the other faction. And that they've been in space going off like kind of on each other ever since. That there's like a good part, there has been this literal like almost a war between a war of what's going on. Do you know what the name of the book is? Uh, it's, just look up Michael Sala. And then look up William Tompkins. I can tell you what the name of the book is. I can uh, figure out. Yeah, in fact, I probably got one across the street. I keep extras to show people. And because well, because yeah, because anybody reads this, it's like this. Is, Michael Michael Saul is a PhD, and he has excellent politics. And it's like what? he's like he speaks on all this stuff, right? So okay. William Tompkins came to him through all their contacts and all the stuff, and wanted to write this with Michael before he died, and came out and said all this stuff. And he said there's been a war in space, like. In, since that time. And so basically what's happened since then is all, that was about, Michael wrote these, these last five books over the last say 10 years, eight years, and this all has come out through different sources of all these different things. And then that's been tied into all these other whistleblowers and contacting the desert people that are just like all showing all this stuff. And it's really, uh, it's, it's incredible when you piece it all together. So, you know, so, you know basically it's, it's been a, a complete, uh, insane uh, war for uh, for the last 40 years. Supposedly, we're now like winning that war. That like the bases on Mars that um, that the deep the, the whatever you want to call them, uh, you can call them. Uh, you know, you know, it's just uh, wow. The bad guys. You you know, get that so, yeah, there's very interesting things. Now, nobody. This is just stuff that people say. You know. And you got to look at it, okay? Because um, it's uh, it's interesting stuff. Um, Elon Musk um, supposedly was taken off planet, like to Jupiter, and he was dealt with ETs. You know, they talked with ETs with him, like intergalactic council type beings, and basically it changed, you know, it changed him. And uh, it, you know, like any of us, it would really you know change your humanity. And that he came back and really changed his life. And uh, from what I understand, he sold four, all four of his expensive, you know, ten, twenty million dollar homes, yeah, he did. and he's living on a tiny house on yeah. his on his launch site in Texas. Yeah. Okay. And and I've heard. Like I've heard. In their spare bedroom I've, I mean, yeah, I've heard he's he's planning on traveling the universe, and uh, nice. you know, that's, and then what is he doing? He's he's taking all of his money and buying Twitter to get free speech back into the world. Yeah. So he's like trying to heal the world too. So I think he's like seen the light and he's realized what side he's on, and uh, I think Elon Musk is a true patriot of the whole world at this point and uh, he's really uh, trying to command the place of everybody should have free speech. He's trying to do an alright job and he says some really asshole shit but I also say some really asshole shit and I'm trying to do a good uh, job. You know, None of us is what, perfect. What, the, what asshole shit does he say? He's, he's posed a little bit intensely right wing and I just... It, well, he voted Republican in a... In well, a you uh, he said some real defamatory shit about Democrats and I'm not a Democrat. I think the Democrats are a center-right party and they're corrupt. But at the same time, just in a political triage, like yeah. neither of those is good. But one of those parties right now is really into Christian Sharia, and one is not. And for me, I can't. Which one's into Christian Sharia? Republicans. Republicans. Wow, that's interesting. 
not base level Republicans, people who vote Republican, mm-hmm. but like the head, the, the Republican judges just voted to really like take away people's rights, and now they're looking at taking away the rights of people. Wait, wait, but take what what rights? Uh, abortion rights. Okay, but but they're also moving on. Uh, they're proposing to move on same sex rights as well, and some other like. Just liberal social shit. I haven't heard. No, that's not. I I, I study that. I watch that. You I haven't heard anything. There's not. There's not anybody talking about same sex. You should, oh. read, you should read Clarence Thomas's opinion because, in his opinion, he lists the next cases that he says that they should visit, and they they specifically are same sex marriage and um, equal rights as well, affirmative action, and some stuff which is like. Hmm. At the same time that I think the Democrats are are totally corrupt. And in the pockets of corporations, I also think that the Republicans are. Well, you know what? Here's me, what I'm well outside of this entire left-right dichotomy that's going on because yeah. I'm like an acid yeah. freak and I believe in the abolition of money. <laughs> everybody who can, can work works, and then everybody who needs therapy gets it, and everybody gets a house or an apartment. Well, they should. Well, and the thing is, that's what we're saying. Human beings, and we, we have could like community-wide mushroom rituals. So, like, I'm not even a part of that thing. So, I'm not attacking either of it from one side. I'm just saying, for me, it's like. Well, you know what? Here, but here, here's what I'd say. I don't like anybody posing on the sides of Republicans because I've never seen them once do a good thing ever since I've been born yet. Ronald oh. Reagan was a fascist, and everyone's an aspiration since him to be like him. That's just an aspiration to be a fascist, and I'm just not into it. Well, I helped pick it for Ronald, against Ronald Reagan, so I'm a kid. You know that Timothy Leary was running against him as governor, and Reagan set him up with two joints and 10 years in Folsom prison because Leary was running for governor on a platform of legalizing weed and using the tax money to fund education. You know what, look, there's, I'm not sticking up for Ronald Reagan because I'm not saying he's any, any part of that thing. Um, I, I don't know the whole two stories. I don't know exactly what all came down to and stuff. Um, I do know one thing though, that Reagan wasn't one of the inside family that ran the world. And you no, know totally. why? He and, was an you know, actor. No, but you know, but you know why though? Because they shot him eight months or nine nine days into his uh, presidency. They, did, and that they tried to kill him. You know, because you know why? Guess who they made him to accept as vice president? Bush. Okay. They before they before he went in before yeah, before he went in they made him agree to let Bush switch out. He, he was going to have a different vice president. Yep. He let Bush come in, and then they yep. shot him like nine days later. And but he didn't die. Hinkley's dad and Bush were. I know. So look. So look. I always knew, I, growing up, I always knew it was the Bushes and the Kissingers yeah. and um, um, Cheney and all of them, okay? But the thing that I didn't understand, this guy told me I was at a UFO conference and, and I was trying to make sense of what they were talking about. And because I voted, I voted for Obama, I voted for Clinton, I voted for Gavin Newsom, I'm sad to say, but I did at one point, I'm sorry, I fucking got duped. Uh, I never voted for him again, but I voted for the recall. But, but I voted for all of them. So I got duped, but, uh, but he said, you know, the trouble it is, it's like they knew they weren't gonna sell uh, a Bush or a Cheney or Kissinger or Reagan or any of that stuff to this aging boomer population. So they had to sell them something cool. So what they create? They created the Clintons and the Obamas. And so he said, you don't understand that they're all the same, same family. Thing. Okay, that's the trouble. You, you, just, you just haven't woken up yet, Tim, because you're still, and then when I, when I woke up and realized that Gavin Newsom was one of them too, right. I got mad because I've, I've evangelized for Prop 64 based upon believing that motherfucker right. that we were going to be able to wait five years before he fucked us all. Yeah. And in like two months in, well, 
because we got together and decided from the interests, we're going to open that up right now and you can all have 10 acres or 10 or 20. It was like, fuck, Jesus Christ. But, but on, but on the, there, my Australian friend says there are two wings of the same shit bird. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, that's true. But, uh, but so I don't, I'm not saying that we have to get rid of, I've said we have to get rid of all politicians over 50 because they're completely tainted. There's really nobody any good at that point. Uh, on either side, yeah. they've all bought in. It takes too much to win. You're too bought off. Uh, they're going to have to go in and nominate these people in some other way. It seems like it, there seems uh, to be that. I like Joe Rogan's thought of like literally just having internet voting for shit. Okay, but see like, why? How can we do worse than what's happening? Okay, well, if you're looking at mentors, if somebody I would really deeply respect as a person who is somebody who I admire for what he's doing and trying to balance the middle and be who he is, Joe Rogan's like an amazing person. I think Joe is like, he's like, uh, and he's on it. I mean, he basically sees it. He may not see it as deep as I've seen it from the UFO side, because see what happened was it didn't just stop with the ETs then. The ETs went into space with our little uh, Nazi, Boeing, Douglas, whole Bushes, foundations, I mean, the Clintons, all of them, that whole thing. They went out into this whole space thing and went out there all over the place trading and doing all kinds of shit. And... Uh, in the meantime, we went out there and started combating them, and then they controlled everything down here because they controlled all of it. And they just went in, and they had all the courts, they had all the systems, the money, the banking systems, everything. They own everything. Okay? And so all the media. We're living in a matrix. People don't even realize that they're in a matrix. See, I think that's what it is. First, you have to wake up and realize it's all of them. You know, Basically, it's really? pretty much all of them. So now we have to figure out how we change it, and we have to like overcome this because it's really, there's not that many of them, but that's all of them have most of the power. And uh, they're just, I always you know. come up with mushrooms. I don't well, know what else can do it except. Well, look, this thing, with, no, we have to have a peaceful revolution with where Biden's yeah, pushing. Look, at this point, here's what it is. At this point right now, Biden has every intention of, I'll call them or that side or whatever's going on, they're just going to drive this right into the ground. They're going to push up eight, nine dollars a gallon. They're going to—you heard—it will take it as long as we have to. Uh, the economies are being destroyed. They're like turning us into where we're going to be a broke country okay. without anything. And uh, yeah, I, I'm incredibly dismayed at the lack of leadership in this country. And, and uh, I wanted Bernie. You know, I wanted Bernie so bad. Bernie Sanders is is. I just as a person, he stands, you know, he stands for and, and, and lives his principles. And everything he said made sense as far as turning off, you know, turning off, turning down the military, giving education to people, giving health care to people. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I'm just, I think, damn, puppy. I think everybody should have health care and education because I think educated, healthy people are a benefit to society. And I think if people were... A lot, you know, like we have these shooting sprees and he's fucking thirsty, dude. It's hot out there. <laughs> that is, he's a champ. He's gonna drink that whole bowl. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm just more in line. Like if I had to take take up somebody's cause, it would probably be Bernie Sanders. Well, well did you see Thrive, the movie? Thrive. I feel like I did with Foster Gamble. Foster Gamble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, then he did the Thrive too. Okay. okay and well, I mean. It's really simple. The people that, that took this world over, this is, why, this is why I look at it really simple from all my ET stuff, okay? The people that took the world over and control it and really systematically all the way down through everything. It's just incredible what they control. Almost like we were just about taken over. 
They thought they had won something, but they didn't. And they're not going to do that, but we're going to look back in history and see that we almost, the flame almost got extinguished. We almost became like a completely uh, taken over enslaved planet. And uh, if you look at it, it's like they just got together and decided 40 or 50, no, 60 years ago, there was a study. That they just got together and decided, how are we going to destroy the, the world so we can take it over and basically uh, eugenics, get rid of like eight. We know there's going to be like 8 billion people. We're going to get, take it down to about a billion people and just get rid of 7 billion people. And then just like those people are going to be just like good little boys and girls and we're just going to own this thing. And so how are we going to do that? Okay, well, we can either like change the world and be really cool and give enough food for everybody or we can just get rid of them all. So we're just going to get rid of them all. So how are we going to do that? We're going to destroy the, the United States and take a country that has no debt and needs no credit cards, and a man can have a house and a vacation home, be a plumber with three right. kids, and in 40 years we're gonna make it so two family incomes can't even keep up with the credit card debts and the fucking house and all the rest of the shit, and they don't have anything in their nerve-wracked, and we're gonna put 40 million trillion, or 40 trillion dollars in debt, we're gonna go blow up the whole fucking world, we're gonna make some people so stressed out and so drugged out and so fucked up, and we're gonna take all their rights and vaccinate them to debts, and we're gonna just annihilate them to the point where they're just killing themselves where the death rates are just plummeting and the birth rates are going down. It's like they're just, they're doing it, but they weren't quite, they're not going to do what they wanted to do, believe me. They would have got away what they would have wanted to do. We'd all mostly be gone already or tied up. But, uh, but it's not going to work. So that's not going to work. And the ET thing in the, in the heavens and those groups, that's basically done. And uh, uh, we are going to see, they're going to let us finish this down here, but uh, you're already seeing the peaceful revolution start. Really, people are just fed up with it, and um, uh, I think you're going to see more and more people are going disaffected. I, I, I hope for more and more messaging that is oriented toward, towards peacefulness and towards community. That's really, yeah. I think, you know, I think that's where it's at. I appreciate that that's a message that you always broadcast. Well, no, it, it has to come to that. For me, it is unity because we're on the same side. At the end of the exactly. day, here's at the end of the day, they're turning us against each other. Yep. Uh, so they don't have to do anything but watch us to decimate each other. Yes, so at the end of the day, the people that rule, the, there's not that many people, but they, with the media and everything else, they turn each of us against each other. And we just have to realize that we have to start with being on the same team. It's kind of like, you know what happened uh, with the Native Americans? Um, the Native Americans one time easily could have taken out you know, the, United, yes. the, the small United States. And throughout a series of times, they could have if they would have united. But they would never unite together. They were kind of like fought in sections or, or were turned against each other. And, yeah. and there were still rivalries or different things. And, and so they just got picked off. And it's like, that's what's happening to us. If we would just come together, we could demand that peaceful revolution. Yeah. Because what they did to the cannabis people, now, you know, at the end of the day, over the last 40 years, the cannabis people have been a gigantic underground massive source of revenue yeah. to alternative thought yep. and living and yep. life. Yep. and burgeoning money to these mountains up here, and they hated it. And so that's why they, long after they got the minimum mandatories and shit, and they thought they wiped us out with those prisons, then all of a sudden these fuckers are growing pot all indoors up in here, and then eventually get these licenses and they're growing outdoors, yes. then they're coming out as legal. And we just drove them crazy. But for a, a few years there, they just fucking hated it. And, uh, you know, they just came at us relentlessly. And, you know, that's, that's going to be... Uh, why they did it is because they, they could see what happened uh, with what it did to save the world. When they look back, I mean, I swear to God, when you look at it, they, they took all the manufacturing off the country. What did, what did they do to collapse this country? They moved all the manufacturing and everything offshore. Yeah. So we had nothing left. We were gutted. The Rust Belt, everything was yeah. gutted. All of a sudden, they ruined all the farming. 
they vaccinated us, they became a service industry. All of a sudden, we were on our way. What were we doing? We were in innovation, it was all being done over there. Yeah. Uh, we had a small pocket in Silicon Valley, and we were in control of the arts and music a little. And uh, you know, uh, that's what they're going to annihilate. But cannabis was like a huge piece. And when it's, they, it's, it's funded the underground, it's funded art, it's funded music, it's funded fashion. Yeah. And it really, everything right now that's just kind of breaking the surface all over the country, uh, you know, microdosing and, and electronic music and festivals and, and, you know, transformational dance scenes, all this stuff that's really starting to blossom, all, all of that was cannabis. Yeah, it was the consciousness. Well, cannabis and psychedelics. And psychedelics yeah, 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 definitely, both of them. Um, or plant medicines, you know, mostly you use that, I guess you can say. But I still ask this pure acid. Yeah. yeah, I'm not going <laughs> like to I'm not say acid didn't do anything. You know, it did nothing but good. That's so, so that's just the way that is. Even though I got high a couple times, you know, not a hundreds, but uh, you know, no big deal. Everybody does. Have you ever right. met Michael Randall by any chance? Who's I know that name? He's the surviving uh, leader of the Brotherhood of the Oh, you know what? I had heard of him. You know, I wonder is, is that the White Brotherhood? I keep going back to that. The Brotherhood of Eternal Love. I know. They're the cats who they were in uh, Laguna. Yeah. And they were smuggling hash from Afghanistan and Morocco for years, and then they funded Nick Sand and Tim Scully making all the orange okay. sunshine. Oh, okay. So they were huge acid rings. Yeah, they weren't monks. They weren't wearing white robes at times. No, no, yeah. but they were. No, the sometimes they wore white robes and shit, and uh, they funded like the Weather Underground. They funded the Black Panthers. They funded all kinds of yeah. different. Well, see, that's the kind of stuff they hated. Okay, the stuff we're talking about. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. The DEA and all that. those people, all of them were like, you know, that's just fucking. That ain't happening. But you know what? That's why they went after it so much. Yeah. You know, so we're heroes, really. I mean, I already like. I would salute any person as a veteran that's, uh, you know, 45 or up. You know, even at 40, 40 up that was in the business since the last 30 years. You know, until you could actually go to prison for 10 years and they, you know, take you out and everything. Um, you know, people were like, it was PTSD, man. I had many nights, you know, many nights and many moments. Yeah, you remember uh, 2008 Measure B? Yeah. That's where I got all of these gray hairs. Because they, they were getting all my friends that year and they were taking, CPS was taking these kids away for like a week or two. And yeah. Yeah. And you know, Sonoma. I was like, let's go move to Sonoma and get the kids out of my bed for a minute. That was a battle. I got, I opened up with that thing with Tom Allman and, uh, and then we, uh, I got the DA, uh, you know, the debates up here and, uh, and then we got the uh, 9.31 program, which was you can yeah. grow 99 plants and that, that was all, uh, Craver. Uh, huh? Craver. Uh, Randy? Randy uh, Craver? Craver? Tony Craver? No, that was, uh, he no, he, uh, Tom Allman. No, before Allman. Craver started it. Yeah. He did a little piece of it, but yeah. it was when we got Tom Allman elected oh, okay. that everything really came in. Yeah. Tom Allman came and sat the first time right here, wall-to-wall uh, -wall people, I mean 300 people outside it too, uh, with the four sheriff candidates and cannabis growers asking them how they were going to treat us if, they, if we elected them because we realized there were more of us than them. Yeah. Nice. That's a little known uh, fact. It'll be part of what this whole place was and we did it right here. And people wanted to come here and smoke in front of these people and I told them these groups and stuff, these kind of these rubble people, I was like, man, you smoke one joint in front of these cops and I'll fucking clock you myself. They actually wanted to come in here and smoke. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, 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 it was like, it was just, it was just a side. Today. There were a lot of, there were, it was all kinds of people here. There were, you yeah. know, but it was made, uh, all, you know, civil. And we they did it so good that Allman came back with uh, Bruin, and uh, they had another debate, and we we got Tom Allman elected. Yep. And then he uh, actually opened up cannabis. It was cool and, for uh, a minute when he first well, was elected. It was pretty cool. Well, that was the 9.31 program. Yeah. You could do nine, and then uh, the feds, but no, the feds busted that. Oh, they came in and busted the program the second year. 
We'd gone from 12 people to almost 100 the second year. And uh, they came in and busted that and uh, said, Tom Allman had actually taken pictures for the feds of like Gorilla Grows, other places that they could have gone after, huge ones. And uh, their response was, if you, you know, do one more thing or one more permit, or we'll arrest you, the DA, everybody. And that was when Tom Allman and those guys, Randy, Randy Johnson, who was running the program, he was like, man, that's when he found out that what it was like to be like threatened. Like here he is, a cop was being threatened by feds. Jeez. Like for running the program and doing this thing and stuff. And uh, then they ended up going after his brother. They kind of busted his brother for something to kind of get even with him or something. And then, uh, yeah, it was kind of a trip to watch that. And, uh, but yeah, because as I told people, if they didn't do something, every county in the state was going to do it, this 99 plant program. And it was great. We were raising like a million a year almost that second year. For the, when the cops were getting it, they were saving, we were saving sheriff jobs. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it was giving uh, patrol out into the other areas, and it was right. giving jobs for uh, emergency services and stuff. Yeah. So we were actually doing a really, it was, direct, it was direct benefit. Yeah. All the money was going directly to that. That's cool. And so the second year, it was over 700000 wow. uh, So it was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah and so... Oh no! I, I know it's fucking too old. It goes, man. Like, they got it all set up. It's just fucking. How many millions did you get? Where did it go? We just went to the whole. Yeah. yeah. So that's what we're gonna see. We're gonna see a beautiful life. Uh, we're in the middle of the war right now, and I would say that on this side right now, I don't. Like you said, I'm not. I, I agree with you about both sides, but the side of the Biden, Clinton regime. It's going down. Durham's, mm -hmm. got, Durham's got them already. He's already gotten the one FBI guy to plead guilty. He's got Ivanchenko, who's going to plead soon. Sussman got away, but he's the one who, in court, the, 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 uh, Hillary Clinton's manager admitted that he got direct approval from her to release that phony dossier, knowing it was phony. Oh. So uh, there's actually proof right there to indict Hillary Clinton. Uh, I'd like, like to see Joe Biden go away. Well, I think, no, Joe's going to go, and his son. Joe and his son. Yeah, I think, so no, Mitt Romney's going to go. Uh, McConnell. I'll tell you what, I can, both sides, I can really throw the list. McConnell, uh, Romney, uh, basically all of them. I'm good you know. with all of them. Yeah, pretty much. Let's rattle them. And let's not kill them, but let's, like, confine them somewhere well, and just give them it depends. high doses of LSD for the rest of their lives. I, I would live with that. I would live, I, you could start them on small and be fair with them, but they have to go through the program. <laughs> yes! They're going to go through the program. <laughs> there's only one way. No, there's only one there's way. Three. Yeah, for, yeah, for what they've done, yeah, all of them. Uh, and then, like we said, we're going to take the money and uh, we're going to redistribute it. And uh, think of a place where, like on other planets, where people work like four hours a day for the con contribution to society yeah. in some way, whether it's, whether it's a school or yeah. whether, whatever they do, they, they contribute in some way. A day a week or two days a week or something, and then the rest of their time they have the uh, finances and the wherewithal to follow their passion, and uh, whatever that is, music, art, uh, you know, uh, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, dance, travel, and and so they live very like enriched, uh, creative lives where people are like thinking up new things and developing things because there's no stress and people are able to go to like you know, ayahuasca ceremonies and be able to spend their life in, in prayer and devotion and spirituality and just like having like really open, free lives. I mean, I can't just, how that beautiful that'd be. I think we're close to that and that's the same vision I think most people get when they contact psychedelics. But I'm, I see it like we're going to have that in within, I think the whole thing's going to collapse. If you ask me, I think that 
I think it's going to be pushed over the top. We're going to have a peaceful revolution. Uh, I think that uh, we're going to be taught a lot of stuff about the ETs, and uh, we're going to be taught a lot of stuff about where we're going. And I'm we're going to be And we're going to be mining in space, which we already are. And it's just going to come back to us, so we can stop all this, and we can turn this into a park. Okay. Because people, if they didn't have to, if they could do fun stuff, uh, they, they would do that. I mean, to follow their passion and be able I to agree. really have that life. I agree. You know? That's what I've done most of my life. Uh huh. Yeah. I try to do what I want to do, what yep. I really feel called to do. And I like to be a living example of other people to say yes to yourself. Whatever it is, however weird you are, however fun you are, like, go for it. But could you imagine, like, a whole country, our whole country, of people that are all being able to do that? Yes. Without any financial stress, without any worry about food or their electricity or yes. debt, yes. and uh, like a do-over, and then being able to learn about our ET families and, and free energy sitting there and being able to just follow their passions and being given what they need yes. for a minor contribution. I mean, true heaven on earth. I mean, uh, and the ability to travel. I envision it happening, and I still have faith that we can get there. Yeah, well, mark my words, I, I think that'll happen. Uh, it, it really could happen by next summer. With the, as fast as they're releasing, well, if you look at how fast they're releasing the ET stuff around the world, do you follow it around yeah, the world? What's just, going on? Yes, it's like, like I said, they're just, they've been releasing all kinds of footage uh, mm -hmm. here, and then there was a big conference in Brazil of like South American governments that were like, "What do we do about the UFOs?" And they basically came up with like, "We have no clue. What do we do about the UFOs?" Well, no, the latest stuff with Sala is they're saying that they've got four or five arcs. The big one in the Bermuda Triangle, which was actually activating the Bermuda Triangle. They've got that one. Uh, they've got a huge one, uh, like, what is UFO? like a UFO ship. They've got activated arcs, excuse me, around uh, the, the, the world. And uh, they're now coming to be, um, and they're, they're very old, and um, they're now finding them. They've actually found you know, several. I think they found three or four. They found the one in Antarctica. Uh, they found the one in, uh, in Ukraine. They found one uh, off the Bermuda Triangle. Well, the, well, in the Bermuda Triangle, I should say in the middle of that, um, we have control of that. And they're saying that's uh, very ancient technology, symbology, um, um, uh, really, really advanced stuff, like the walls are living in the crafts. You know, they're like, like a living wall almost. Uh, I guess that is a living wall. So well, I think there's something new in everybody getting along and, and, and living in peace. I would yeah. like that. Well, the technology that they say, like the med beds where people don't uh, age, yeah. The, the ETs, I mean, most of these ETs live for thousands of years, at least. The Anunnaki. Yeah, well, in the Sumerian text with the Anunnaki, they said they live about, uh, the kings and all of them live about 20, 30,000 years. Seems like you might get bored. I don't think so. No, I know, I'm just talking around. Think about, think of life if you were like able to travel around the universe. If you so were able to actually even, go. even just being able to travel around Earth a little bit, I could probably live for a few thousand years. Yeah, and be totally I'm cool. saying, <laughs> if, you, if you actually had like one of the little jets and ships and stuff, and you could just like, oh, yeah, totally. you could just travel around safely, yeah, like, like today yeah. I'm going to be over here, I'm going to go to yeah. France tomorrow, yeah. I'm going to India, I'm going to uh, just yeah. like pop over there really quick, That'd warp speed. Um, you could spend, you know, a few thousand years for sure, but then once you got into the universe, it's like, okay, then you're like, Cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to put a two-hour piece together because I, when I give my full dissertation on how we got created, exactly what's happened, where we're at, what's going on, um, it's it's pretty. I mean, it's, it's it's pretty good. I mean, I can look and put up pieces together to show the patterns and stuff. And uh, you know, we're. I mean, I I can see where from a lot of other people though. A lot of other people telling me stuff. Yeah. 
you know, uh, but it's incredible to witness. And uh, I think uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to find out a lot of different things over the next few months. I hate to even, I, I wouldn't want to even get in trouble on air you know, talking with you uh, a little bit because I might say you might get, but I, but, you know, I just think that people are going to watch so much change and it's not what people, a lot of people may not see it, but it's just got to be a cleansing and uh, it's going to come down. But, but people like uh, John Durham, we'll see what the indictments are for John Durham, okay. for the huge thing. He's got 12, 10 to 12 more indictments, so we're going to see what happens with him. Um, and uh, the 2000 Mules thing is a very interesting documentary. People should watch that. They should see that. If you go see that, that's, that's incredible. Yeah, go ahead. Um, and um, the ET stuff, yeah, how fast they're bringing it out. Just watch how quick. They're, they're so fast that they're preparing us now. Um, I did um, oh, I, you, I did. Yeah, go ahead. I, is, so, like, will ET lead be a different category of I can only imagine. I, do I, by planet or star system? I think that they come here and get the weed from us. <laughs> I swear to God. So I swear to God. Earth, bro, you know what? Best weed you know what? I, uh, I had this experience. I swear, it was a trip. It was a trip. Uh, and uh, I think that, that, you know, they definitely do. I, I believe that ETs come here to get the weed, and, they, and I've seen them in the fields, and they come down and... You know, we grow some fine cannabis, and um, you know, but uh, but I just, they they have some good stuff too. I hear their music and their uh, their energy. It'd be like being around uh, enlightened beings. Nice. Music's where it's at. Music's where it's at. Music is in my form of prayers to the universe. You know, playing music with people. It's like yeah, eighteen music. I can only imagine. I'm going to sign off. Yeah. Good. Thank you for taking this time. <laughs> we kind of went in a few directions, huh? It was like a movie. The whole time. <laughs> it, was, it was great. It was amazing. It was fun. I'm excited. I've been excited about the UFOs. Yeah. Bye, everybody.